Welcome to Everyday Buddhism, making every day better by applying the proven tools found in Buddhist concepts. Hello and welcome to episode 62 of Everyday Buddhism, making every day better. You know, in episode 60, the one before my conversation with Scott Snibby, I shared what brought me to the new attitude or tood, as I refer to it. Um, I was trying to build with my return to practicing the 37 practices of bodhisattvas and other compassion-based practices based on building and sustaining bodhicitta. Now, in this episode, I'd like to do a deeper dive into an important part of developing a bodhisattva attitude, and that is equanimity. Equanimity is, at best, misunderstood, and at worst, completely overlooked as a part of being mindful, of as part of reducing reactivity, and then, of course, developing compassion. Now, I don't believe our culture teaches or encourages equanimity, so it isn't a natural capacity we can fall back on, you know, when surrounded by problems and or crises. Instead, our most instinctive response to problems and crises is to fight, grasp at, or push away or freeze and overwhelm, or bury our heads in the sand trying to ignore one of the very certainties of life, and that is that life is uncertain. As I talked about in episode 60, it's been almost two years of an upended life for most of us, with the global COVID pandemic causing so much fear and suffering the undeniable results of climate change bringing fires and flooding to all parts of the world, and then adding earthquakes and the horrors in Afghanistan, Syria, Haiti, and so many other countries plunged in violence and natural crises, plus an ongoing political divisiveness then of angry protests and social and racial injustice happening not just in our country, but seemingly around the world. You know, two years is a long time to keep a stiff upper lip or to pretend everything is normal. It's even a long time to try to ignore the world around you through overwork and other behaviors like drinking too much, overeating, Netflix, Netflix binging, and doom-scrolling. All of these are symptoms of overwhelm and trauma caused by unremitting stress. As I talked about in episode 60, I personally came back to a practice focusing on the attitude of a bodhisattva to help my unremitting stress, my overwhelm. This bodhisattva attitude is motivated and powered by bodhicitta. 
And it has been particularly helpful in my case with the worries, fears, sadness, and overwhelm I have been feeling. Back to bodhicitta, I'll repeat what I said in 60. Bodhicitta is a Sanskrit word in its simplest definition, meaning awakening mind or the altruistic determination to be awakened or enlightened for the benefit of all beings. A bodhisattva, likewise, then, is an individual seeking awakening and possessing the compassionate motivation of bodhicitta. Now, this attitude, the bodhisattva attitude, or bodhicitta, is a powerful mix of compassion and equanimity. As I talked about before, compassion is something most people feel they know about. But I believe what equanimity is and how powerful it is, is what's most often overlooked. Yet, in my mind, it's the secret ingredient to the bodhisattva attitude I've been talking about. I think I've heard Sharon Salzberg refer to it as the secret sauce of compassion. I agree. I was inspired to go deeper into equanimity for this episode after reading a 2005 tricycle article called A Perfect Balance by Gil Fransdell and Sayada Yo Pandita, the late Sayada Yo Pandita. They captured a mental image I had, and I'd been thinking about, of what equanimity is like in their brilliant teaching. In that article, the authors wrote that equanimity is, quote, one of the most sublime emotions of Buddhist practice, the ground for wisdom and the protector of compassion and love, unquote. Now, I was saying I've been thinking a lot about how equanimity feels, you know, in my mind, like a combination of balance and spaciousness. I kept seeing a mental image of how it is to balance on a bicycle or walking on a narrow beam. If you cling to one side or another, moving your weight in a clinging fashion or a frenetic fashion, you'll fall. You know, if you overreact to the feeling of falling to the left, you'll fall to the right and vice versa. Balance is all about subtle movements one way then another, in response to the needs of the moment. Balance is not reactive. And when you've reached that perfect balance, there is a sense of gracious ease, a spaciousness like a bird in flight. Now, equanimity in English translates the Pali words opaka, and, and the next one, I will not try to pronounce. I'm not even going to try to do it because it could cause me to laugh and then, well, that would be the end of this episode or I'll have to edit it out. But this word will be spelled out in the show notes. The first, opaka, refers to a spaciousness that comes when you see things from a bigger perspective, you know, sort of the big view in, this, in the article, the authors wrote um, that the, ref, the word in India is sometimes referred to as, 
quote, seeing with patience, unquote. I like that, seeing with patience. Now, that second that I wouldn't try to pronounce is a compound word, which is why I won't pronounce it. It is a compound of the words tatra, which is sometimes referred to as all these things, and maha, meaning middle, and tata, which means to stand or to pose. And there you have it. (laughs) It refers to standing the middle of all this. We're just standing in the middle of all this. And if that doesn't describe how it's been in the last 18 plus months, I don't know what does. We've been trying to stand in the middle of it all, trying to maintain our balance, our peace, our compassion in the middle of it all. Now, the trick here is to not believe this magic power of equanimity is just going to swoop down upon you, given you by a genie, and you will poof, be completely peaceful and not overwhelmed just because you now know about what equanimity is. (laughs) No, unfortunately, like all things, it takes practice. If you try to become equanimous, you may instead become complacent or aloof, like a teenager saying, whatever. That's not what we're referring to when we talk about equanimity. So how do we get this magic power? How do we do this practice? It basically, at its ground, at its foundational level, happens through mindful awareness of what causes us to be reactive. A mindful awareness or an understanding, a non-reactive understanding of what triggers us. And then, when we become aware, we just observe without letting our mind latch on or tell more stories to become lost on the runaway train of reactive thoughts. When you observe what happens, you will be more ready, more practiced to catch your reactive mind. The next time, and the next time that the circumstances happen again, you'll catch them before you react to them, hopefully. And if you can't just observe without reacting, then maybe you should avoid the things that trigger you until you've learned to develop more a more steady, pure, mindful awareness. I don't know what your triggers are. Maybe your triggers are the news or Twitter or Facebook, or your neighbor, a coworker, or your boss. If it's your neighbor, coworker, or boss, then I suggest you do as Shanti Deva suggests in the way of the Bodhisattva, chapter eight, verses fourteen through sixteen. He says, quote, only ruin can result from links like these between yourself and others, for they will bring no benefit to you, and you in turn can bring them nothing good. Therefore, flee the company of childish people. Greet them when you meet them with smiles that keep on terms of pleasant courtesy while not inviting close familiarity. Like bees that get their honey from flowers, 
take only what is consonant with dharma. Treat them like first-time acquaintances without encouraging a close relationship, unquote. If we keep practicing and are able to find some equanimity in one moment, even just one moment, it then will lead to another moment and another moment and another moment. And the more equanimity we build, like anything else, it builds on itself. But you have to do it. You have to do the practice for the equanimity to build on itself. You know, in the article um, that I referenced, uh, they suggest five more practices in addition to mindful awareness or quote-unquote wise attention as they refer to it. The first practice is similar to the verses I just quoted from Shantideva, and that is working on developing an attitude of non-attachment, of equanimity toward the people and animals we love. Now, of course, this is not about disconnecting from our loved ones and pets or not caring about them, but it's about not excessively attaching. In other words, not grasping after their welfare, their habits, their behavior. Now, I can hear the responses out there. Yeah, see, I can hear you. (laughs) Isn't this a sense of abandoning or disconnecting from our loved ones, you ask? No. Actually, this is a way of being present and available to our loved ones in a more balanced and spacious way. It's far from being indifferent or insensitive because we are now more balanced and spacious. We're able to rest our minds in a non-reactive state of pure acceptance for life as it is, for whatever presents itself, for the way in which our loved ones and pets present themselves. Just pure acceptance. Now, there are a couple ways to accomplish this. First is to remember that all beings are experiencing the causes and conditions that are inherent only to their own karma. Now, I've said before, don't get all woo-woo about karma here. You don't have to believe in past lives. You can believe in past lives, but we don't have to, to understand this concept. What I'm talking about when referencing karma is that every being is harvesting the conditions of their own actions, speech, and thoughts. And ultimately, there is nothing you can do to change the consequences of their actions. Think about that. What can you do to stop the causes, I mean, the conditions of the causes that this other person planted? Nothing you can do about it. Thinking like this can help you find space and keep you from reacting to what others do or say. Another way that helps accomplish this is to remember my favorite phrase. Quote, I'm quoting myself here, things as they are, not as you want them to be. Unquote. When you become overly worried, anxious, frustrated, whatever, Try to remember that life is what it is, period. It just keeps going. 
It just is. The you you are today is not exactly the you you are tomorrow. And it's the same with your loved ones. It's the same with all beings. So what are you going to do to stop life from being what it is? You can't. All you can do is respond to it as it as you see it in the moment. Respond to it as it is. Now, the second practice of the additional five practices is to do the same thing we did with our loved ones and pets towards inanimate things like clothing, your tech toys, your car, your favorite cup. All these things will rip, break, get stained, get stolen, quit working. Yeah, someday it's all going to happen. Everything is impermanent. And we forget that when we covet or grasp at our stuff. So also remember the concept of non-self and emptiness. There's not even a self to own any of these things. And the things are made up of other things that are also impermanent. It's all a big complex web of causes and conditions that are all impermanent. So what are we grasping at? Who owns these things? And as soon as we buy the latest smartphone, we know it won't last forever. And buying the next latest release won't ensure permanency either. You have to make peace with this impermanent nature of life and the fact that we aren't discrete things or not the things that we own, the stuff that we own aren't discrete things either. They're all interrelated to causes and conditions. Now, the third practice is to avoid the company of people who tend to live in constant reactive mode. You know the ones. The ones that grasp after people, things, and concepts in a non-balanced, sort of crazy way. The more you surround yourself with people like that, the more your mind becomes influenced and conditioned to reactivity. You feel as if reactivity is normal. Because if you're surrounding yourself with people who are constantly reactive, you too will start being reactive. You know, I've experienced this with people who are over-exuberant about everything. Now, I'm not talking about people who are energetic and committed to doing good or accomplishing important things. The experiences I'm referring to are when people can't focus on anything else but all the bad or questionable things about this politician, that boss, this movie star, that friend, or even all the bad or questionable things that they did in their past, or it's just it's it's the people that just keep going round and round and round in circles on that crazy thought train I keep referring to. When your mind starts entertaining those thoughts that the people you're surrounding yourself with, those thoughts crowd out the balance that comes from mindful awareness. You know the thing we're practicing. Now, the fourth practice is to choose, quote-unquote, cool and composed friends over those reactive ones. This way, your mind is bathed in the balance and space that equanimity produces. These people will become your models, whether you actively think of them in that way or not. I'm sure we've all been in situations where we enter a group 
where everyone is upset or worried and they're talking over each other and the energy is something that you can't help but pick up. It's frenetic. No matter how calm you were when you entered the room, that energy rubs off on you. I remember when I worked in uh, broadcasting and there was this uh, pervasive sort of negativity about uh, what the manage. I was in a union of broadcast engineers and there was there tended to be this pervasive energy of what the management was always going to do to us you know they were the the enemy and even if you walked into work in in the most up best mood you start you you started hearing all these mumbles about yeah they're going to do this to us and then we're going to do that to us and we shouldn't do this and you know it's just you can't avoid it if everyone around you is like that. You can't help but pick it up, no matter how calm you were. And conversely, if you enter a group where everyone is calmly listening to each other and learning from each other, your mind calms right down. And you have space to be open, rather than that tight, closed, grasping little mind. You have this spacious open mind that can just sit and watch. And that's how I actually got through that time in broadcasting. I had to learn not to, you know, engage in those conversations. I wasn't mean, you know, I was I was nice, but I just went on and did something else or I changed the subject so that I could you know, open my mind. This was really before I was practicing Buddhism, but it was like a almost an inherent way to protect my mind. Now, the fifth practice is to keep practicing. <laughs> keep practicing being in a balanced mind. Think of that bike riding and bike riding analogy I mentioned at the beginning. Keep that image of riding a bike in your mind where you're making small adjustments rather than steering crazily to the left or crazily to the right. Keep making small adjustments as you practice mindful awareness until you're riding the bike with confidence and ease, pedaling effortlessly with the cool breeze of open air on your face. Now that's it for this episode on the deep dive of equanimity. You know, I don't think I'm quite done with equanimity yet. I, I think we'll probably do another episode on equanimity, but we'll stop for now on equanimity for this episode, episode 62. Um, I have a special, special, special treat coming up for the next episode. Um, I have a special guest joining us. Um, you may have heard of her. Um, her name is Kyra Jewel Lingo. She's a, a former nun from uh, the Titnat Han community. And I'll tell you more about her when we get into the next episode with her. But I think you're going to love it. I'm looking so forward to it. And she, too, is going to offer multiple practices based on her experiences of dealing with the unremitting stress and overwhelm um, that's been happening in the past almost two years. 
So I hope you'll look for that coming up, hopefully very soon within the next couple of weeks. So again, that's it for this episode. But don't forget that you can join me and others in the private donation-supported Everyday Sangha that meets virtually via Zoom every other week on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. The Sangha is currently studying and practicing the 37 practices of bodhisattvas that I referred to in this episode and episode 60 and I think episode 59. Stay tuned for uh, the next episode with uh, Kyra Jewel Lingo. And also please consider supporting the efforts of this podcast and related groups by becoming either a member of the Everyday Sangha, which is very beneficial to be around others who have the same um, insights about how life is, uh, the same intentions to improve themselves. Um, it, it's, a, it's a very helpful thing, especially if you're not near a, a temple, a Dharma center, or anything like that. But we also have the community member program. That's a $5 a month membership program where you support the efforts of this podcast. Keep it going so I don't have to do any advertising. You don't want to hear that. And if you do, you will have access as a community member to blogs, members-only podcasts, an education series I posted about, oh, I don't know, a year ago, a private Facebook group, and the big news is we will be announcing the launch of our new Introduction to Buddhism study group as an offering to all community members as well as everyday Sangha members. And this, this uh, intro to Buddhism uh, study group will hopefully launch at the, the first part of November hopefully within the first two weeks. Uh, we're putting the final touches on it, and we're very excited to have it, uh, have, have it get going. So keep your eyes open for that announcement. Okay, so that's it. Until next time, keep finding ways to make yours and everyone's days better. Mm-hmm.